This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. If you want to be in sports management, why not aim for the top? Why not look at one of the best teams going in the National Hockey League today and say, yeah, I'd like to be GM for a day in Edmonton. The Edmonton Oilers are off to a 6-1 and one start. That's exactly what Owen McGonigal is doing this weekend. Owen was born in Edmonton, has been kind of a lifelong Oilers fan, but now lives in London and joins us in the midst of all kinds of things happening as the Oilers get set to take on the Detroit Red Wings tonight. Owen, how's life in Edmonton right now? It's pretty great. Um, yeah, it's definitely a trip of a lifetime for sure. For sure. Now, how's the weather? Is it a little chilly? They had some snow in Alberta a little while ago. Any snow around? Yeah, we're just avoiding the snow right now. It's actually really nice. Okay, We've good. Got some good temperatures right now, and uh, it's frosting overnight, but I think it's it's really nice out here in the day. Well, you have a pretty amazing team to be a part of right now, and the Edmonton Oilers off to a 6-1 and one start. It's always more fun to be around a winning team. Can you describe some of the things that you've been a part of so far with the Oilers? Um, yeah, so uh, yesterday was a big day with the Wish Day. So they had um, some five, five players that they signed and um, uh, from – Sunshine and uh, the local hospital here, and uh, I was the GM for the day, so that was pretty cool. We just got to watch practice, and then, uh, um, sorry, watch practice, and then um, hang out with the coaches and Mr. Holland for a while, and that was a really cool experience that I'll never forget for sure. No doubt. And I'm... I'm he- yeah, I'm heading out to. Uh, watch morning skate, and then the game tonight afterwards as well. So in being able to kind of be side-by-side with Oilers GM Ken Holland, you get a chance to see some of the things that go on in a day. Do you see a lot of boardrooms, a lot of sitting in you know comfy chairs, talking hockey, or what happens? Well, the majority of our time was actually in the grandstands watching the practice. Um, it, he definitely want to watch our team and our um, players for sure. But uh, so we watched practice for the majority of the time. And, um, but I did get to go around and see all the offices. We paid, paid a visit to all the coaches in their offices and uh, got to see dressing room and Ken Holland's uh, kind of area. So that was really cool. Could that be an office that you could see yourself, you know, being comfortable in, in the future, a decent office? Uh, definitely, like, uh, if, someone, if I, I'd be thrilled if I was a GM in the future, but I don't have that expectation, but I'd definitely like to try to work towards it. Absolutely. Owen McGoggle joining us. He is right now with the Edmonton Oilers as part of that team as they get set to take on the Detroit Red Wings tonight as Owen takes on the role of GM for a day. Now, Owen, in terms of job shadowing, somebody who's your age, this is, this is a perfect time to job shadow and, and see what a job is like in hockey management. Is this similar to what you thought it would be like? I'd say so, yeah. It was, uh, it's, uh, pretty cool. There's definitely some stuff behind the scenes that you don't get to see, like, uh, on a regular basis from, uh, like a fan's point of view. 
with all the other staff, support staff and everything. So that was really cool to see. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it's lots of behind the scenes stuff that you can really appreciate when you see it. And stuff you probably can't even tell us about. I mean, stuff that you see that you have to you have to keep in your mind, but you you can't necessarily let that out. That's not public stuff, right? Yeah, I'm gonna try my best to keep some stuff secret for <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's like, great. Well, Owen, enjoy the game tonight. You were asked the question: Is there anything that you would change about the Edmonton Oilers? What was your answer to that? I said nothing because we're six and one. <laughs> Well, here's hoping tonight you can go out and make it 7-1. and one. I know the Red Wings fans in London, Ontario don't want to hear that, but in this case, I think they'd be okay with it. Owen, congratulations again, and enjoy the rest of your time in Edmonton. Thank you very much. That is Owen McGonigal, acting general manager of the Edmonton Oilers for a day. This is being put together by the Sunshine Foundation. Before we close out the story, we get a chance right now to talk with Natalie Minkler, who's the executive director of the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. Natalie, Owen kind of laid it out, but uh, let me ask you this question because it usually elicits a nice big smile. How are the Oilers doing today? The Oilers are doing very, very well. We were absolutely thrilled, not only from uh, the Oilers Community Foundation perspective, but our players were thrilled. Uh, of course, Ken Holland, our general manager, was thrilled to be involved in such a fantastic day for Owen and other children in our community facing uh, life-threatening illnesses. When you put into perspective what they were able to do and, and the kind of the behind-the-scenes access, Owen hinted at that a, a little bit. What was that like to be able to provide that? Because a lot of times in the hockey world, there are things that just they're behind the scenes for a reason. Well, I will say this. We've never had uh, a young person uh, or anybody else, for that matter, uh, contact us and request the opportunity to be a GM for a day. And so if you can imagine, you go, okay, well, what is this going to look like? What can he do? How can he get involved? Uh, but Ken Holland was so gracious as a host, and they spent a lot of quality time together. He was in the dressing room. He met with the other coaching staff. He spoke with the players. He spoke with the media, had his own media scrum. So it was it was a great opportunity for Owen to get a first-hand glimpse as, you know, the life, uh, you know, GM's everyday life. Natalie, thanks so much for your time today. My pleasure. Natalie Minkler, putting the cherry on the top of the Owen McGonigal story, the executive director of the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. Let's catch up with Jessica Mitchell, who is actually going to be in town on November the 2nd with her Heart of Glass Tour Part 2. Jessica joins us on the phone. Jessica, how are things with you? Things are very well, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. No complaints whatsoever. Not too long ago, I happened to catch Trisha Yearwood, thanks to our good buddy Weaver at Country 104. He let us know this was happening, but Trisha Yearwood singing Working on Whiskey, and it, (laughs) of course, brought back the memories of a video that's been viewed, I think it's close to 80,000 times now, of you listening to your song, Working on Whiskey, you yeah. pulled over, and, and that one, we'll play a snippet of it later on on London Live, but but that video and, and seeing Trisha Yearwood perform it, I mean, give us the feeling that you felt watching that happen. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing honor when somebody of that caliber records one of your songs. Um, she she recorded it for the record uh, that she put out called Every Girl back in August. And, I mean, I'd known about it for a while. I just hadn't heard it. So about a week and a half before the record came out, uh, I I remember listening to it and just being totally overwhelmed with just, you know, a warm, fuzzy feeling that someone that I actually grew up listening to, because I didn't listen to a lot of country, um, but she really was one of the people that I did listen to uh, growing up, singing her songs in the mirror into brushes and things like that. So it was kind of a full circle moment for me, and I'm I'm extremely grateful. Okay, take us back there. What Trisha Yearwood song do you remember singing into a brush in front of the mirror? I mean, How Do I Live? Obviously, I think I think like any like she, she just like that whole record that she put out. I believe it was in like the mid '90s. It was just such a such a ballady, cool record. Like I just loved. I I, I really listened to all the divas growing up. So that I mean that's how I kind of taught my health, myself how to sing. So she was one of those people that just could hit those crazy high notes that I would constantly try and try and hit. <laughs> I can hit them now. I couldn't hit them back then, but I can really? hit them now for sure. <laughs> what do you th- what do you think happened there because you have such a great voice? I mean, people say that you are the Adele of country music. I know that's probably a yeah. comparison that that bugs you a little bit, but but really, you have you have such depth in your voice and such a beautiful voice. When did it come that you could say, "Yeah, I c- I can just there's that note. Yeah, I got that." And you could hit it. Uh, I mean, that's a really good question. I don't really know, man. I think it comes it just kind of comes from a place of emotion with me particularly. I think like I, I sing such autobiographical music that it's all related to my life or it is my life in some way. So I think, I think that, you know, some of it is pure emotion. I, I, I never, I was never technically trained or any of that kind of stuff. So it was just, (laughs) I hate saying that, you know, I was born like this, but it, it, I think like over time you develop, you develop techniques and you develop things that can kind of help you not hurt yourself. But I, I, it's pure emotion. It really, truly is. Jessica Mitchell with us on London Live, getting set for an appearance in London where she grew up November 2nd at 8 p.m. at Aeolian Hall. Doors will open at 7. It's the Heart of Glass Tour Part 2. The people, you, you mentioned that, no, you, you maybe weren't technically trained, but the people, the different types of people you've been able to be around and be close to. Kiefer Sutherland you tour with, and nobody really realizes the music side of his life, or Tom Cochran, or, or Johnny Reed, or you just did something with Celine Dion what was that like oh yeah she <laughs> yeah it, that that was secret to keep in <laughs> um no she recorded uh she recorded a song that I that I co-wrote with a couple of friends a few years ago and it was this long crazy you know the sort of like edge of your seat type thing where we were just constantly waiting for the news of whether or not it was going to make the record. So her album Courage, that's coming out November 15th. I, I have track 10. I recorded, I, I never released the song. It was just a song that I had co-written and it had been pitched to her and she loved it and recorded it and put it on a record. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty wild, man. You know, I just, I just love the Canadian aspect of it too. I mean, at the end of the day, she's, she's Canadian and she's very proud to be Canadian. So it's, it's nice to, to have some Canadian sort of songwriters on that record. And I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of it. You know, Sia's on it and David Guetta and 
a lot of people that, you know, I've looked up to as a, as a songwriter. So it's, it's going to be really cool to hear it. I can't hear, I can't wait. So have you heard the final cut of the song at all? No, or not? Nope, not at all. Nothing. And yet you <laughs> had to really, yeah, you had to keep the <laughs> I, secret that it could be happening. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It was so hard. <laughs> so hard. It was really hard. Cause I just like, that's such a huge, it's something that I'm really proud of. I think like I'm a songwriter first and foremost, and it's something that I've spent a really long time crafting. Um, and, uh, like being good at it is something that I take very seriously. So to be recognized in, you know, it, at that caliber of, of sort of artist is, is a really huge accomplishment that I'm very proud of. And, and I'm, I'm really happy that, that I get to, you know, that opportunity. I just love getting opportunities like that. I mean, at the end of the day, it helps me grow as a songwriter and as an artist. So. Jessica Mitchell with us. Grew up in London, Ontario. Back in London, November 2nd at Aeolian Hall at 8 o'clock. Heart of Glass Tour Part 2. Jessica, you are a great songwriter and you have, you have so much to draw from that maybe even your fans might not realize. When we get to talk about hometowns, a lot of times it's, oh yeah, this, this was great. I went to this high school and I did this and I remember a bush party mm-hmm. over here and, your time growing. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> no, maybe, it's true. Maybe not in no, downtown London. I, that, no, that's the thing. I went to bush parties for sure. But at the same time, you have other memories of London. This this wasn't always the easiest time for you. No, it wasn't, and uh, and I've been really vocal about that and very open about it. I mean, some of it is my fault. Some of it isn't. Um, I, I think just in general, like, you know, London, London can be a tough place sometimes, I think, uh, for a kid, um, which is why, you know, I think, you know, it's important to sort of, you know, educate and communicate. I mean, we didn't have the internet back then the way that we do now. And I wish that I had, cause I think that things might've turned out a little differently, but I mean, I, you know, competitively swam for years and, and just, you know, you fall into the wrong crowd and things just. Don't, don't go the way that you that you expect them to go. And I think at the end of the day, the, my experience growing up there made me who I am. So I can't, I'm, I, I'm not going to complain about it. And I'm not going to say that it's like I'm mad or, ter- you know, sad about it because I think I wouldn't be the person that I am today if it wasn't for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, London, London's, London's London. <laughs> and I love, and I love London. You know, my family's still there and, it's it's always really nice to come back because I think that it it's a really big reminder of where you come from and that's so important for a hometown it really is and uh, I just wrote about it actually for for my next record I'm I'm starting to sort of dig into writing about things that I've never written about before and and uh, and my hometown's going to be one of them <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how people think about it <laughs> it's fascinating to hear you say that if the internet had been around, it might have been different because a lot of people will look at the internet as a negative for kids growing up now. How do you feel it would have helped you? I mean, it's, it, it's, it is a negative for kids now, but I think like if it's one of those, if I, if I knew back then what I know now sort of things, like I think as adults we're responsible with the internet for the most part, I think there's still a lot of irresponsibility that happens, but I, I think it's just important to have conversations, you know, about it and to keep the conversation going about what sort of things are available to people because there's negative aspects, but there's also positive aspects. I mean, there's information out there that 
I otherwise probably wouldn't have gotten had it not, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up, it, I got a lot of my like learning from music and, you know, from the people around me. And, and I didn't surround myself with people that necessarily were people I should have learned from. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think the internet's just, it's a, it's a whole other conversation that I could probably talk for like an hour (laughs) about any of us could really. I just think it's, it, you know, I, I really do believe that if we as like my generation in particular, I mean, I'm turning 36 in the new year and like, I, I, I wonder, you know, I really do wonder if, if I lived as a kid back then, I feel like I probably would have gone in a much different direction for sure. I, I just believe that personally for myself. Jessica Mitchell with us. Heart of Glass Tour Part 2 comes to Aeolian Hall November the 2nd. The show is at 8. Doors open at 7 o'clock. Jessica, you mentioned in writing your next album, you're, you're digging into things, you're looking at talking about things that you haven't talked about before. What's that been like? Weird. Um, <laughs> a bit weird. I think, like, I spent five years just writing, 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 and then I took a good two years off of writing. Um, I didn't write a song for almost two years, which I think really helped because it, it put a lot of things in the bank, um, that I otherwise would have never thought about to write about. So I think, uh, I'm, I'm looking really forward to it. It seems that there's some really cool stuff that's coming up and, and new ideas and different sort of content that I'm striving for, uh, for the next record. I want it to be a lot more conscious and, a lot, you know, more careful and not, and get into some topics that are difficult to, to talk about, but it's going to be interesting for sure. I'm going to spend a long time. Like I'm not just going to write a record in a few months and then release it. Like I do want to spend some time with it. So yeah, I'm, I do have some new songs that I am going to be playing in London though, that I'm really proud of and stuff that kind of hit, hit a home run right out of the gate that I'm really excited to start playing live. So I'm looking forward to that. It's been amazing to watch where your career is heading. Can't wait to see where it goes next. Jessica, Thank thanks you. so much for spending some time Thank with us. Thank you. No problem, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Sounds good. Jessica Mitchell, she will be at Aeolian Hall November the 2nd at 8 p.m. Doors open at 7 o'clock, Heart of Glass Tour Part 2. Homecoming weekend, real homecoming. Let's talk with Western Mustang football head coach Greg Marshall. Greg, what is homecoming like for your team? You know, it's, it's pretty special. It, uh, we get a lot of uh, reunion teams coming back, uh, a lot of alumni and uh, uh, supporters of our team. So it's always good to play in front of, uh, you know, friends and uh, uh, supporters of the team. So it's, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Do the alumni and former players kind of make their way into the room at all, or do they keep their distance? No, you know, hopefully we win, and, uh, you know, after the game, we'll have all the alumni, you know, that are there, you know, pack into our dressing room and kind of be part of the uh, the, the end of the game uh, celebration. I mean, that's, uh, we've been fortunate. We've won the last few homecomings, and we've had a, a good group. Uh, come into our, into our locker room and then, you know, uh, go out uh, you know Saturday night and see a lot of the guys. But uh, it's pretty special. I span I span a lot of different eras, so it's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot there's there's a lot of reunions this weekend. You know, the '79 team's coming back. I played on that, and the '89 team and '94 team are coming back, and uh, I was coaching then. So yeah, it's, it'll be an exciting weekend. How great is that? Those are those are some of the best teams Western has ever seen. 
Yeah, they are, and you know, it's made up of really special people, and uh, that's what made those those teams so good. And uh, it'll be good to see all those guys coming back. And I know they're expecting, you know, a lot of them kind of coming from all over, you know, Canada and the U.S. to make their way back for homecoming. So it's going to be good. So when you get together with teams like that, do you immediately fall back into old routines, old chirps <laughs> of each other? Absolutely. Uh, In the uh, email threads that are going around from some of the 89 and 94 teams that are coming back, uh, they're already planning it. They're already, it's like nothing's changed, you know, that they uh, kind of revert back to their time that they spent here. And those are great years, you know, know, going to university and, uh, you know, playing football and going to school and hanging out with your buddies, uh, good times, and uh, they'll pick up right where they left off. That's fantastic. All right, well, let's turn to the game. Greg Marshall, head coach of the Western Mustangs, joining us as we look ahead to homecoming. And you mentioned the impetus to win this game because this is a game that you don't necessarily have to win as a team and and a game that you might just want to get through. So how do you deal with the fact that you want to be healthy come playoff time, but it's homecoming, people want to see some some purple and white pride and, and a big victory on the scoreboard? Yeah, you know what? It's a, it's the game doesn't mean a lot in the standings, but it means a lot to us because it is homecoming. It's about pride. It's about you know, you know, playing at home um, where we've been successful, and uh, and we, we do have the bye week the next week, so it's 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 about you know, and we had a, we're just coming off of a bye, so it's about kind of getting you know playing and playing at that at that level, and that we will need to play at in order to be successful in the playoffs. So yeah, it doesn't mean any in the standings, but it certainly means a lot to us, and we'll be playing hard this weekend. You play against a team that has some ability. What strikes you about the Ottawa GGs that they do well and that you've been game planning for? You know, they're they're very, very good on defense. They're an athletic team. Um, their defense has kind of won them a couple games, uh, and uh, they're, you know, they're you know, fighting for that playoff buy as well. So it means a lot to them, but uh, they're also very athletic on special teams. They, they, you know, have some athletes that can run around and they'll try to block punts and, you know, so we're going to have to be good on special teams, um, productive on offense because they, they, they are, are good on defense and they have some playmakers on, on their offense. They have some, a couple of receivers that are very, very good and talented. So you can't just kind of focus down on the run because they, on their run because they can, uh, they can be explosive and, and, uh, and have kind of picked their spots, but, uh, a good all around football team and that, uh, one that, you know, this game means a lot to them, so uh, I'm sure they'll be playing really hard. Finally, you've had to be creative on defense in some ways because of injuries. How do things sit going into the final week of the regular season that way? Well, you know, we'd like to. We're going to get some some of our defensive players back um, from injury that didn't play in the last you know you know last couple games. But at the same point, you know, we're we're not going to push players that aren't ready yet because we knew no, we do have the playoff by. You know, we uh, we want to make sure that guys are are that are able are able to play because, as I said, you know, this game is important to us. Um, but we we know that uh, we have a playoff game in two weeks, and that we're going to have to get our guys ready. So we've been piecing it together defensively, but you know we kind of see light at the end of the tunnel. We the guys are are getting healthy, are coming back. We'll have a couple of guys back this week, and then we hope that when we we uh, hit the playoffs, we'll be at full strength. Greg, best of luck. Enjoy homecoming, and enjoy hanging out with that '79 team and everybody who came after is coming back. Yeah, good. Thanks, Mike.
Greg Marshall, head coach of the Western Mustang football team. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.